This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good morning. You are listening to The Morning Run. It's 6 a.m. on Thursday, the 21st of July. I'm Shazana Mokhtar in studio with Wong Xiaoning. Good morning, good morning, all those that are listening to us. Be it in your car on the app or on our website. We're available on all these mediums. Absolutely. you can. We can keep you company no matter where you are. Um, in any case, uh, this morning we have tons of interesting conversations lined up for you, which is why you stick with us and which is why we like having you around. Uh, at 7.15, we're going to be reviewing the anti-sexual harassment bill that was passed in Parliament yesterday and whether it sufficiently protects women and vulnerable groups from attack. We'll have Yu Rin Chung of the Women's Aid Organization with us to weigh in and give his assessment. Yeah, I'm very pleased that the act was passed. But I, like I like what you just said, does it go far enough? Mm. Uh, a little bit of a, a big step for women and women's rights because this act had, has been talked about for decades. Absolutely. It's just been in the pipes. It's been in the works for the longest time. It's only, be, it's only being passed in 2022. It's a long time coming for and sure. And I do believe the debate took six hours. Something like that. Lots of fireworks during the debate. We yeah, will be yeah, covering with, that. With people having a bit of a Potty mouth, allegedly potty mouth. We will be covering that when we talk about local headlines at 6.45 later, as well as I'm sure we'll ask uh, Ren Chung what he thinks about culture in Parliament on this. Exactly. And then at 7.30, uh, we're going to be talking not so much about Sri Lanka, but the contagion uh, that Sri Lanka, the economy, okay, the, the collapse of the economy in Sri Lanka is is causing to the rest of the world. Let me put it this way, right? Because it's really the worst case scenario of a country that is ridden with debt and what what happens. So we'll be discussing the risks for emerging markets economy with Professor Hans Gerberg of the Asian School of Business. Right, because Sri Lanka is that worst case scenario. And I think people are looking at other countries in the region, countries like Cambodia, countries like Laos, countries like Bangladesh, right. And whether they could be on that similar path and if there's anything that can be done in the interim, you know, as intervention, we'll get into that. And then later on at 7.45, the government wants to encourage entrepreneurship. But when it comes to the F&B sector, are unnecessary bureaucratic hurdles making it hard to do business? We're going to ask Jeremy Lin of Persatuan Pemilik Restaurant and Bistro for his thoughts. All this and more today on The Morning Run, so stick with us, BFM 89.9. That was the Beach Boys with Here She Comes and Here We Come, or Here We Are, we being Shazana Mokdar and Wong Xiaoning of The Morning Run, 6.07 a.m. on Thursday, the 21st of July. So, I came across a few social media posts yesterday that got me thinking You were about, rather busy, right, on your phone. Absolutely. <laughs> I was thinking about the way we use public transport, yeah? So there was one post by Rapid KL. Um, it was advising the public not to eat on the train. And in that post, they uh, put up a photo of two passengers caught eating cup noodles on the train, like the Maggie cup, you know, with I have hot to say, water that was a rather unusual choice of food. But never mind, that's not the point. There was one that. And there was another social media post by a public individual who was calling out another passenger for putting their bags mm. on an available seat in a crowded coach. Yeah, so he's mm. uh, prevented... Hogging a seat. Pretty much, pretty much. So both these posts became controversial or they got a lot of hits for other reasons that we may or may not get into this morning. But what I'd like to start off is reflecting on the rules of thumb when it comes to public transport etiquette. Because when you think about it, the past two years, most of us haven't been on public transport. Now that we're all starting to come back and travel in communal... 
in communal carriages together? Do we remember what it's like uh, to ensure comfort for all you know? Did we all remember involved? at all, even pre-COVID time? Were we good passengers? Were we considerate to our fellow Malaysians? Or let's say even just anyone on the train, right? I'd like to think that or I on the was, bus. but you know, there was there were always incidences of um, people who who maybe didn't. So, uh, what mm. are what are some of your pet peeves on public? Oh, I have a journey? list. I, I wrote them down. You know, uh, one thing I don't like men spreading. You'd be like, what is she talking about? What is man spreading? This is when, um, actually, it could be a guy, it could be a lady, both, you know, when you're sitting down and basically you're taking up more personal space than you should. Mm. And you're kind of invading into the, the person next to you. I don't understand why people need to do that. If you're on the airplane, for example, it's the person who hogs both the armrests yeah. and, and just kind of like takes up all that space, especially if it's a mid, if it's the middle seat. And uh, that's not very uh, nice or not very comfortable for other people involved in the situation, given that, you know, there is a limited amount of space so yeah. everyone kind of needs to like keep that in keep mind. Keep those personal boundaries to yourself, okay? Don't spread yourself out a little bit too much. That's number one. Uh, number two, I have a bugbear about putting bags on chairs. I think, um, I mean, if the train is honestly empty and if the plane is also empty, maybe it's okay, but I think especially your bag has to be clean, of course, not dirty because the other thing is don't dirty the seats. Uh, but if it's a full train or full plane, your bag didn't pay for that seat. Put mm. it down on the floor, hold it in your lap. Mm. Uh, because you're denying someone else a seat, which I think is extremely wrong. Another bugbear, those people who take the lifts when they can walk. I think it's fine when the train station isn't crowded, but it, when it is crowded and there are people who want to use the lift for legitimate reasons, be it because you know they're, they're elderly, they're pregnant, or they have a lot of things to carry, or they're in a wheelchair especially, or there's a pram and you just stand in that lift and deny the people that really need it, I think that's selfish. Mm. That's the word I would use actually, selfish. Mm. Uh, what other bugbears do I have? Okay, when you're going up the escalator, I can't remember whether it's you're supposed to keep to the left or the right, but just keep to the side if you aren't planning to walk. Don't hog both sides because mm. you're preventing the people from going up, you know, who want to get, get up to the platforms or come down to the station as quickly as possible. I've, I've kind of, yeah. Mm. I'll start with those first. <laughs> I'll add something to the list. And I think it's people who use their personal uh, smart devices on loudspeaker, yes. whether it's talking on the phone or listening to music or watching something out loud. I feel like uh, at the very least, you should probably put on some headphones or, or just keep it down to a minimum because we don't all want to uh, eavesdrop on your conversation. Yeah. We're not interested to find out what What's di what's cooking for dinner tonight? Really? I'm not. I, I don't care whether your wife is making two vegetables and one meat or whether you want to have soup. I, I really don't care. Neither am I interested in knowing uh, what is the latest show on, on Netflix. I don't care. I will watch my own Netflix. Thank you very much. So I, I'm wondering, Jane, are you the type to confront a person if for bad behaviour or when, if you see I have it in done public it. transport? I have done it and people stare at me because I've told a boy to put his foot uh, feet down. And I got the most evil stares. From him or from, from him, other people? From him and people were shocked. And when he kind of snarled back at me, what I don't like is everybody thinks what I'm thinking, okay? This is not right behaviour. But nobody helps me also. Mm. Whereas I've seen it in Australia where someone told somebody off for throwing off the trash and other people looked at him like he was, like he did something wrong. And there was this sense of a community where you felt like you were brave enough to speak up. Because Community I, policing. Yeah. But here, right, everybody just like takut and then malu and, you know, just we're not used to it, right? So when I did it, 
I felt like, wow, I'm really like the odd one out. And the person actually was quite aggressive back to me. And I shouted back. Mm. Okay, because clearly I don't stand down even though I'm only five feet. <laughs> uh, but I think in life, you know, if we see something wrong, I don't, why shouldn't we say? I, I do think that... I, when it's obviously wrong, it's not even a question of like grey. It could be that in uh, our particular culture, we do seem to have a higher tolerance to uh, prevent sort of these uncomfortable uh, situations, right? But I, I think the, there is a place and time to uh, point out any transgressions, social transgressions. And it's not even meant to be done in a nasty way. It's no. really just to point out, hey, Can you maybe, please put your foot down, your right, feet down? Just to make sure that things are comfortable for the rest of uh, other people in, in the public transport or environment. Okay, one more bugbear, please. The MRT station, LRT station buses are not your homes. Please don't throw trash everywhere. Ah, littering is something that we just can't seem to get over. Uh, it does it does boggle the mind, really. What? Tell us what you think. You know, what are your pet peeves when it comes to using public transport or being in public spaces? You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio if you have any tips on how to uh, call out someone in a nice way. Uh, we'd love to hear it. It's 6.14 in the morning. We're heading into some messages and we'll come back to discuss the propensity of young investors to take risks bfm 89.9 what a great song by phoebe bridges that's motion sickness do you get motion sickness shouting on um, public transport or on any transport really very little very little i'm okay if i'm in the driver's seat uh but if i am in the passenger seat i really can't i, I do get car sick so okay, i'm pretty good roller coasters boats Planes, cars, <laughs> you name it, trains. Generally, I'm all right. Maybe it's the low center of gravity. Perhaps <laughs> so. That was Wong Shaoning. I'm Shazana Mokhtar. You're listening to The Morning Run, 6.20 in the morning on Thursday, the 21st of July. Now, this next story that we're looking at is from the Financial Times. It's an article written by Madison Derbyshire, and it explores why younger investors are drawn to take crazy risks with their finances. And we've been seeing this uh, throughout the COVID-19 pandemic as a result of the flush of government stimulus that somewhat fueled a retail investment culture among the younger generation that really thrives on risk taking i mean look at meme stock culture and just all the uh, all the uh, terms that came out of wall street bets uh, cryptocurrency the growth of it all NFTs. of this Exactly. So, uh, Essen, why don't you walk us through this story and why you chose it? Oh, I love this article. It's uh, it's the Financial Times, excuse me, Financial Times, and it's the big read, uh, entitled "Generation Moonshot: Why Young Investors Are Not Ready to Give Up on Risk." Okay, so I I read it with with an open mind because, as you all know, I've said it countless times on air. I don't really understand cryptocurrencies, right? I don't know how to value it. It baffles me that either one day can be nine hundred ninety US dollars, and I blink literally. I blink overnight it goes to 1500 and it's all on the basis that it will use less energy to mint this coins I'm like oh how does this work how does it translate to an additional 50% in value who decided that uh, is it market forces uh, so, uh, you know, it just adds to the whole confusion, right? But people embrace it. And I see in this, even in BFM, a lot of the young people really trade this quite a bit. And so for me, the article tries to explain why. So I want to understand the psychology of it, right? And there are a few points to it. One is that they feel, a lot of young people feel they have really nothing to lose. So, you know, they firstly don't earn enough. They don't earn a lot and certainly not enough to buy what they would like, which is maybe their, their down payment for a home or a car, right? Because wages are so low. 
Secondly, I think it's also because it's technology, something that they're familiar with. It's not like I'm I'm quite technophobe. Y'all will know that and laugh about me quite a bit. Yeah, but I don't embrace technology as easily as someone in uh, millennial or Gen Z, for example. And I like the third point, which is they don't trust the current system. They're anti-establishment. And all these asset classes aren't exactly within the defined or at least what was the traditional, what you assume to be capital markets, right? It's not a stock. It's not a bond. It's not a unit trust. Uh, it's not gold. It's not a metal. It's something completely new. I think that was one of the points that really stood out for me from this article in the sense that all of this, um, I suppose, enthusiasm for these alternative assets, in a way it stems from the disillusionment in the current mainstream economic structure. And there was this one anecdote in the article that was quoted uh, of a 35-year-old former trader and financial education campaigner from East London who said that my dad never went to university. He worked at a post office for 35 years. He could raise three kids. He could buy a house. He's got a comfortable retirement. Today, no one can do that. No one can live comfortably off a uh, post office job and expect to be able to save enough for retirement. That kind of reality just doesn't exist anymore. Mm. And for, I think, a lot of young people, it, it's it's really frustrating, especially when older generations say, oh, why don't you just save your money? And But that's not possible when wages aren't rising, when housing prices have just gone up. It, it's a really different world than it was uh 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, but I do want to uh, be the cautionary auntie. Haha. <laughs> and that's also partially because of the way that these new asset classes, and I'm not saying there's no place for them. I, I am for their existence. It's just that it's really easy to trade, be it stocks, be it uh, these NFTs, be it Bitcoin. You can do it all with a touch of a few buttons on your phone. And sometimes even some of the broking uh, applications, right, the broking apps, they really look like computer games, you know. So there's a gam- gamification of the whole, uh, I guess, whether it's NFT, Bitcoin, it's so easy. You just, you know, it looks like as if it's nothing, like as if there are no consequences if you trade. So there's a blurring of lines between what is the reality and maybe what you play on PlayStation 2, for example. It does encourage a kind of gambling mindset. And the article points out that there have been increased uh calls to gambling hotlines, for example, because people who, again, when technology combines Mm. with this current um, environment, it it does make it easy for you to just take a chance and not think about the consequences until much, much later. And the other one, very quickly, is that there's a lot of stuff going on in social media, a lot of talk about what to buy, when to buy, a lot of advice. And I think people, you know, use social media now as their new source. And that also gets blurred as to what, whether this advice is really objective. Well, tell us what you think. You know, what are the reasons that uh, retail investors, especially younger retail investors, are are really, I guess, not risk averse? Uh, you can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We're heading into the 6.30 a.m. News Bulletin. Here's Steve Winwood with Roll With It to take you to the news, BFM 89.9. The morning run, 6.41 in the morning. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Xiaoning. It's that time of morning where we take a look at what's making headlines around the world. I'd like to start with the trio of stories um, on political developments in a number of countries. We've been covering this throughout the week, so it does feel a little bit like a broken record. But there are developments on all three stories. Firstly, looking at Sri Lanka, uh, Ranil Vikramasinghe has been appointed as the country's new president. He was elected by the members of parliament. He won with 134 votes versus 82 against his nearest contender. That's Dulus Alahaparuma from the 
SLPP party. Uh, curiously enough, both these uh, candidates are linked to Gotabaya Rajapaksa and his political empire. Whether this means that uh, whether whether Rana Vikramasinghe can bring Sri Lanka back to a stable path is, I think, really the open question. He's not very popular among the public at the moment, so we'll just have to wait and see what happens next on this. I wonder whether people will go on the streets and start protesting again because it's the same same, right? It is the same, same. And there have been um, chants of Ranel go home. Before that, it was Gota go home, right? Yeah. Now there are some chants of Ranel go home, but there are also concerns that uh, Ranel Vikramasinghe could crack down on protests. So it's a really touch and go kind of situation in terms of what could happen in Sri Lanka. Uh, another government that's kind of collapsing is Italy. Mm. If you remember, uh, former ECB chairman Mario Draghi was brought in last year to sort of save the government and create a coalition government. And he seemed to be doing pretty well. But at the moment, the right and left wing parties of Italy's uh, political landscape have just really broken down. And the right wing parties, there are three of them. All of them are not taking part in a vote uh, on a confidence vote in parliament. So it really looks like Mario Draghi is going to be uh, sending in his resignation for the second time in two weeks. Yeah, the, um, F- the FT is reporting, right, that it could trigger early elections and exacerbate a political crisis. Because he did offer to be offer to resign last week, which was rejected. At least they offered to resign. He, I mean, Mario Draghi is, I think, seen really uh, positively by most of his peers and also the public. He's really a technocrat first, and he and it was really thought that he could bring the different factions of politics together at least to steer a course out of this pandemic madness that the country's seeing. Right, but yes. unfortunately, sometimes uh, political interests trump public interests, perhaps in Italy. So we're going to see what happens there. And then the third political story comes from the UK because... You can barely keep up, Shazana. <laughs> barely. Well, one they, more, one more. Bring one it more. on. They have finally narrowed down the candidate list to two for Prime Minister. Rishi Sunak is going to face Liz Truss in the Conservative party-wide vote. So the next Prime Minister is going to be one of these two people. And I'm going to borrow, uh, borrow something that Keith Kam, head of news, said this morning. Can we trust her? Can we trust trust? Yes. <laughs> he was very proud to use that. I'm sure we'll be hearing that more in the days to come. But yes, I mean, in a way, it was a surprise that Penny Mordaunt, she was the dark horse in the race. She was really uh, doing well in she the early rounds. She was her way to the top. That's right. And I think there was a lot of um, speculation that if she became uh, part of the top two, she'd be the one to win uh, just because she has a lot of grassroots support. But uh, yeah, ultimately, she fell to third place and was eliminated. So uh, will the former chancellor or will the foreign secretary end up being the next prime minister? That's something to watch. Well, 110,000 Conservative Party members will decide it, mainly white men, who will decide who will lead the UK um, for the next few months, at least well for the next two years. I think general elections are not due till then, but we'll see. Uh, I've got other news in front of me. Bloomberg reports that Biden is is expecting to speak to Chinese leader Xi Jinping within the next 10 days as the US considers whether lifting some tariffs on Chinese imports would help stem rampant inflation. So uh, a little bit of, what, defrosting of ties, I hope? Well, it's kind of a push and pull situation, yeah, because we have talked about easing tariffs. But then just a few days ago, they passed a legislation saying that uh, there wouldn't be, they, they were going to stop giving funding to companies that invested in chip making in China. So there are all these different forces at play, you know, on one day it could be their 
uh, defrosting ties, and another day it could be they're reinforcing those the freeze. Uh, depends on which way you want to look at it. Well, I think they're just here to confuse us. Uh, but uh, but other news. This is business news. Apparently, Google is uh, pausing their reta- their hiring spree. Another one. Yes, another one. So we heard from Apple. Apple is also doing it. Tesla, of course, said it much earlier on because Elon Musk, I'll use the word, feels, feels that a recession is coming, mm. right? So uh, not so good for markets. I mean, there was a bit of like, what's going on? You know, I thought we were full employment and it was a very tight job market. Clearly, I think these big tech companies can see the future and think, hmm, we should be a bit more cautious. Right. And what's the contagion effect on the rest of the economy? Something we'll be keeping an eye on. 6.46 in the morning. We're heading into some messages. We'll come back with a look at the top headlines in the local newspapers and portals. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. That was Franz Ferdinand with Do You Want To? And Do You Want To? Read the news with us because that's what we're going to do. I'm Shazana Mokdar with Wong Shaoning. We're the morning run looking through the top stories in our local newspapers and portals. Shaoning, do you want to start us off with the first thing that caught your eye this morning? Uh, that's, of course, the sexual harassment bill. So a bit of hoorah. That's me <laughs> clapping because after years, years, actually decades of it uh, being debated, it finally was passed after a six-hour debate. But I think what was, you know, the the thing that caught my eye, which, which, which shouldn't have happened in the first place, uh, this is page four of The Star, and it was furor in the House during the debate Tajuddin goes on foul mouth tirade against opposition MPs. I do believe he said toot, and um, it, he, it was caught by a few of the opposition MPs who were really, really unhappy about it. That's right. It was a very chaotic debate session. I mean, if you want to hear snippets of what happened, you can check out the podcast for Popet Popet Parliament that Evening Edition did yesterday. Uh, they covered the debacle and yes, the fact that uh, Pasir Salah MP Tajuddin Abdul Rahman uh, was heard to mention or to say an expletive while his mics were off. Uh, this was caught by opposition MPs who called for the speaker to um, remonstrate uh, Tajuddin, but uh, I'm not sure that this was done to their satisfaction. Um, and again, this is sort of an... Uh, it, it it points to just how much leeway, I suppose, is given sometimes to MPs of certain stripes. I mean, he got a warning, apparently, that was it, but is But that this enough? isn't the first time no, that no. he's said something inappropriate in the August House. So I think um, a, lot of dis- a lot of questions there on just the kind of culture that we're actually uh, promoting in, in Parliament... Uh, but in other news coming out of Parliament, uh, the government is set to retable an extension of the SOSMA clause on 28-day detention. That's next week. Now, if you recall, earlier this year, uh, they tried to table this extension, but it was actually voted down. And uh, yesterday, what they did was they they put it back on the table. So, so um, and they managed to put that through. They managed to... Um, they managed to say that they can retable this bill. So it's yeah, going to come up again. Which some opposition MPs, of course, say, you know, that's not the right thing to do. It was already defeated. So why is it being revisited? And um, that was actually reported in the uh, uh, FMT, actually, about this. And I think they they quoted Kelvin Yee, who opposed this, clearly. So, I mean, I, I agree in that if it's already been defeated once, why are you, are you tabling the exact same bill with no changes whatsoever? I mean, obviously... It doesn't seem like the government is tabling something new or something modified, right? They're just putting back the uh, 
act on the table again. Uh, if you recall what happened in March, it was it was really seen as somewhat of an anomaly because what happened was there were just a lot of MPs not in the hall during the vote. A lot of uh, no MPs. There were a lot of absentees, uh, mm. which meant that the government bill couldn't pass. So uh, this is uh, one of those uh, dramas in parliament that... Uh, yeah, that I guess we're going to try and wrap our heads around in the days and weeks to come. And of course, there are strong arguments against renewing this detention clause in SOSMA. It uh, it really does have a huge potential for abuse by the government. Uh, I think those are some of the concerns that people have on this. Yeah, um, the other thing that's caught my eye actually is that um, there is this article about our exports, so the numbers are better than expected. So I think economists are trying going to raise the 2022 export forecast after a record second quarter showing. So our exports rose close to 39% year-on-year to $147 billion, driven by strong demand for electric and electronic products, petroleum products, liquefied natural gas. The point is, are we seeing this reflected in how the economy feels? And mm. the answer doesn't feel like yes, right? I suppose not. It, I mean, it makes sense because when our currency is weaker, our exports yes. um, tend to go up, right? Because yes. we're just cheaper. So yeah. people like to buy our stuff. But whether this trickles down to the broader economy and I guess whether that is enough to offset uh, other squeezes that the economy is feeling, that's kind of the question at play at the moment. Now, there was other interesting news and that is apparently the Apex Court has denied IRB access to law firms' client accounts. This is uh, H. A CEO morning brief. So this is a landmark decision where the Inland Revenue Board cannot look into the client's account of a law firm in a bid to study and impose further taxes on the law firm. Okay, something to keep an eye on, you tax lawyers out there. And I guess anybody who pays taxes, this might be something to read up But on. But it's not uh, for the purpose of hiding illegal activities uh, of the client. So there you go. There's nowhere to hide if you are uh, doing something that's not mandated by law. Very quickly, can I just talk about PKR's leadership? So you may have been following the PKR elections. You notice that uh, Nurul Iza's name hasn't been in any of the um, election campaigns per se, but she is apparently coming back as party vice president. Uh, she resigned back in 2018. She let go of all her posts in the party, if you recall. Now she's coming back to the top leadership. I think that uh, will be good news for many people who see her as perhaps potential Prime Minister in the very distant future, or not so distant future. Yeah, and Saifuddin also, right? PKR Secretary General. So he, he is. He retained his post as PKR Secretary General. So uh, that is our updates at 6.56 in the morning. We're heading into the 7am News Bulletin. We'll be back after that with a look at how global markets uh, closed overnight. Taking to the news, Depeche Mode with Precious BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.